Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you thankful for the name this morning? I said, aren't you thankful for the name this morning? If that name's been applied to your life, will you magnify the Lord and worship him? Thank you, Jesus, for the name. Thank you, Jesus, for the power that's in the blood. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. I I know you've been standing for just a little bit. Praise the Lord. Good to be with you today. I feel like uh, by default of our two services, it's been a long time since I've seen some of you. And it is good to see you today. Good to see Brother Jack, Sister Patricia in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's a miracle worker. We're serving the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm thankful that the same God who created this world is the same one that's in our midst uh, here this morning. Praise the Lord. Brother Larry read my opening text this morning. and We're talking about the peace of God, but this morning I want to preach to you from this subject, the Prince of Peace. You know, there's something to say about having peace in your life. When you have peace, there's some things that would normally shake you or rattle you. But because the peace of God is evident and real in your life, it allows you to pass through that or or to take that journey and stay calm and remain and know that the Lord is with you. And I'm thankful today when there are situations that arise in our life that We may not have the answers to the questions that through it all, we can have peace in the Lord. And I'm thankful for that today. I'm going to take my text this morning from the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And while you're finding that in your Bibles, because it has been some time since I have had the opportunity to see many of you here today, I want to say on behalf of Jennifer and I thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, Every phone call, every card, every text message, uh, you have no idea. I could stand here the rest of the day and, and testify about what an encouragement you have been to us. I told the congregation last Sunday morning, I said, I, I, I don't know what people do without a church family. I don't know what people do. Uh, without a church family I last week we was in the doctor's office and uh, she is doing remarkably well and uh, the doctors are just amazed at the progress and I, I told the doctor I said it, 
and, and she already knows after seeing her for several months, this doctor knows of our faith and knows, and knows about our commitment to the Lord. And I said, Dr. Nance, I'm not discounting medicine and I'm not discounting what it has the ability to do. And I'm sure it has helped. I said, but I got a church family back in Hatch Bend that's been praying for us. And I said, I got a God who's a healer. And I know what he's capable of, and I know what he's doing. And so today I thank you, and I, I would just ask uh, for your continued prayers. Uh, Jennifer is in good spirits. She's doing well, but she wants to be back in the house of the Lord so bad. So thank you for your prayers. The book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I'll read it again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you and we're so grateful for the opportunity that you have given us today. The opportunity to gather and to magnify and worship you and lift up the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, for the next few minutes, I'm asking that you not only anoint me, but I'm asking you to anoint us as a congregation, that our hearts and our minds would be receptive of the word and what thus saith the Lord, and that you would lead us and guide us. We thank you for the word, and we thank you for the truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and the whole house said amen. I want to begin this morning by, by just briefly setting a scene uh, of the story that we're going to discuss this morning. And I completely understand uh, that I stand between you and dinner, so I will uh, I'll, I'll try not to delay. I seen the other day somewhere, some social media platform, that somebody was talk, debating dinner and supper and lunch. I said, there is... It's, Dinner at noon and supper in the evening. There is no such thing as lunch. <laughs> in the South, anyway. Praise the Lord. Who will help me preach today? Praise the Lord. There were shadows that were beginning to grow late in the day, and Jesus sat down in a boat, and he was waiting, and he was concluding some lessons that he had been teaching. He'd been teaching all day to this large crowd that had gathered. And in only the way that Jesus could do it, he had woven story after story into spiritual truths. And he taught them, as we know, as parables. And he, he taught and spoke of the sower and the seed. And he preached about the incredible growth from a single grain. And he talked about a great tree with spreading branches and he preached about the light of the world was to be displayed for all to see. Each story revealed more understanding about the kingdom of God to all those who listened and believed that day. And upon concluding a long day of teaching and preaching, Jesus and his disciples gathered in the boat and they pushed out from the shore and kind of escaped the press of the crowd that had been around them uh, for most of the day, and they pointed their boats to the other side. 
Jesus was weary from this long day of teaching and he found a comfortable spot at the stern of the boat and almost immediately he, he was asleep and he showed no sign of, of waking up. He was asleep in peace, if you will. But the waves begin to roll and water begin to creep over the edge of the boat and even some of the disciples who were experienced fishermen and had no doubt been in storms before in their life quickly grew concerned about this storm that was on the horizon, this storm that was brewing. Fear was on their face and fear was in their voice as they tried to wake Jesus and they shook him and they cried out, Don't you care that we are about to drown? Unfazed, Jesus rose up and simply spoke to the wind and seas with a voice of authority. And he said, peace, be still. However, his more evident concern at that point in time was directed toward the disciples. And Jesus questioned them, why are you so fearful? And where is your faith? Has a storm ever rose up in your life and you find yourself falling apart and, and, and you feel like you're losing it and when you finally get yourself pulled back together and you realize where you've been and what you've been through you ask yourself the question where was this faith that I so much believe in a storm comes into my life and I so quickly revert to panic and, and fear I, I tell you this morning not uh, not for pity I know there are many stories across the house but I, I tell you that this morning this this illustration as a testimony several months ago uh, we found ourselves in a parking lot going into a doctor's appointment and it was about the beginning of this pandemic that we're in and of course in Alachua County the mask and and the protocol that you have to go through. And when we, we got to the door of the doctor's office, uh, the signs was there that I could not go in, only the patient. Uh, and so I quickly assured Jennifer that it would be all right. I would be right here in the parking lot. And if, any, if anything were to go wrong, within just a moment I could be there. And I had returned back to the truck and was just trying to talk to the Lord and really not knowing what to say. And uh, I, don't misunderstand me this morning. I was not cursing God. And I, I don't even believe I was angry. But I just could not understand. Why? Why would you do this, God? Why, why would you do this now? And why would you do this to her? I mean, could, couldn't you put this... Couldn't you put this on me? Why, why in this time and point in our life would you allow something like this to happen? And forgive me, and I'll ask you not to, to judge me too hard this morning, but I guess I was just having sort of a little pity party. And not in an audible voice. Um, thunder didn't roll and lightning didn't strike. But the Lord spoke to my spirit and he said, look at yourself. All that I've brought you through, all the years that I've been with you, every step you took I've taken with you. 
and you have one bump in the road and you're going to fall apart. And there in that moment, I begin to plead and beg God for forgiveness. And so I submit to us this morning, don't get upset with the storms that come in your life. I know there may never, may never, most storms that we encounter, we don't understand why. And furthermore, we're never going to know why until we get to the other side. But know this, that Jesus gave us a promise. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he will see us through that storm. But we must keep our faith in him. The storm that we're talking about this morning that they had found themselves in suddenly disappeared as quickly as it had come. Their fear of the storm and the threat of the destruction turned into amazement at the miracle that these disciples had just seen. And they all began to ask the same question amongst themselves. We find that in Mark 4 and 41. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The question concerning his humanity also gave insight to his divinity. The disciples asked, what manner, what kind of man can do this? It's obvious that they recognized the authority of his words over the storm. And they were in awe of the power that Jesus had. In our lives, sometimes some of the greatest revelations concerning who Jesus is will come in the middle of your storm. Have you ever been in a storm and wondered, how, how will I make it through this? What, what's going to happen to me? You feel like the whole world is against you and you don't know if you can make it to the other side and then all of a sudden, there's Jesus. That promise that He gave you, there He is, hand in hand. When you didn't think you would make it and you didn't understand why, the first thing for the disciples was a revelation that resides in the fact that during this crisis, Jesus was sleeping. Sometime back, we had a pretty good storm, and uh, I, I'm a, I go to bed early and arise early. And so the storm was about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I have a, Jennifer says I have a snoring problem, but I don't think I do. But she come to the, back bedroom and begin shaking me and waking me up she says you don't hear this that's going on outside and I said I don't know she says it's storm, storming but you're snoring so loud you can't hear it and she says I think there was some metal that was flopping on the, on the shed and she said there's something coming apart out there but sometimes you can be in such a peaceful <laughs> sleep and Jesus found him Self that way, while others feared for their lives, here Jesus was sleeping in the middle of chaos. He was asleep on a pillow in, in peace. But, but know this, when we think Jesus is not concerned and when we think he does not care, this was an indignation of his concern because you see Jesus, he's as, if I may say so respectfully, cool, cool as a cucumber. And he's confident. And his confidence is evident. So for the disciples, there was no reason to fear as long as Jesus is in the boat. And I'll tell you today that we have no reason to fear if Jesus is in the boat. The issue that we have or the problem that we sometimes are faced with 
is we don't put Jesus in the boat till it's too late and we're in the middle of the storm. And before we shove off from shore, we've got to have Jesus in the boat. I can't wait till I see the clouds. I can't wait till I hear the thunder. I, I can't wait till I see the lightning. But I got to make sure that today, while I'm on the mountaintop today, I need Jesus in the boat because I'm headed to the valley. I'm headed to rough waters and I'm headed to a storm and I'm going to need him. The simple spoken word of Jesus produced peace. and A revelation of his power over the storm and the chaos it brought. We're all very familiar here in North Florida how these storms can, in just a moment of time, unleash destruction and, and cause fear to all of us who are in its path. But, but God is not only strong enough to keep us through the storm. God can prevent destruction in the midst of the storm. And let me take it one step further. If God does not prevent the destruction... If you have things that in your life that are destroyed through the storm and you lose them forever, God is a rebuilder. He's a restorer. He can take what seems to be a mess with no end and turn it around and work it out for our good. The power of the Word of God can bring peace in a place of chaos. Jesus, Jesus brings peace when he speaks the word. Furthermore, there is peace in the word of God. When I, I don't know what to pray, when I don't know what to say, and when I don't know what to do, in the midnight hour I can take this word and I can open this word up and begin to read and God will present himself to me. He will comfort me and be with me. Wind and waves have to obey Chaos and turmoil have to subside. Not only did Jesus understand the source of the storm, but he was also in control of the outcome. You see, before Jesus went to sleep, he knew the storm was coming. Before, before the crisis in the boat, Jesus knew the calm that would follow. Before they even launched from the shore, Jesus had done had a plan to get them safely to the other side. I've stepped to this desk this morning from what I have felt in prayer last night and it may be only applicable to one person in this house and I don't know what you may be facing but I want to remind somebody this morning that Jesus knows you're in a storm. You don't have to beg and plead and cry and wonder when he's going to show up to help because he's there with you in that storm. And I will submit to you today, if you will keep your faith and your trust, you say, well, Brother Jerry, I don't understand why this was happening. I don't understand why this is happening to me. I've got a word from the Lord this morning. If you will trust in him, he's going to bring you out on the other side and he, will, he, will, he is in control. Jesus is in control. The disciples immediately recognized his greatness, his incredible power. And they recognized the authority that Jesus had. And the reason this miracle brought about fear was that the disciples suddenly recognized the authority that Jesus had over every spirit. They seen miracles of healings. They seen miracles of deliverance. They had seen the dead raised. But there was something that evening in that boat that took place. It was different. It was special. It was unlike any other thing that they had encountered. Jesus has all authority and all power. 
And Jesus was willing to share that with those who had obediently followed him. He sent out 70 disciples by twos. And he declared in Luke 10 and 19, he said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He extended his authority to work through those who went in his name. What's that mean, Brother Jerry? That means that when you have been forgiven of your sins and you've been baptized in the name of Jesus and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, have no fear because he is with you and he goes before you. Jesus, in truth, Jesus was much more than a man. The authority of Jesus over the storm was a revelation of who he really was. It, it may also serve as a confirmation to the authority over every situation that we may encounter in our lives. There is power. Hear me today, ladies and gentlemen. There is power in knowing who Jesus is. I don't know what people do who don't know Jesus I don't know where they turn or, 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 or how they get through life without Jesus. I'm, I'm glad I know who he is. And I'm glad I know what he is capable of and what he is able to do abundantly and above beyond what I ask. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Paul writing to the Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 15 said, Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And let's pay close attention to the last line of this. All things were created by him and for him. Not only did he create you and I today, but he created you and I for his purpose. You're here today because he created you and you're here today for him to worship and to magnify him. And when we recognize that Jesus Christ is the creator of the world, it's not hard to believe that he has the final say so because you see the one who spoke let there be in Genesis was the same one in that boat on that day who spoke peace be still. He's the same one who spoke peace at the Sea of Galilee. And today, that same God has walked into this house and met you and I, and he can speak peace into our lives. Knowing who Jesus is and being in a relationship with him can bring calm into our lives. Just knowing, just knowing him makes a difference every day in my life. Every day that I wake up, and I have the opportunity to, to get up and to go to work and to, and to live this life. I'm thankful that I know who Jesus is. All of it would be for, be for nothing if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. This sudden and impending disaster of a storm that, that arose that evening that we've been talking about this morning indicated that it was much more than just an ordinary storm. The violence of this storm was was indicated by the way the disciples responded in fear. Keep in mind, there was a few of these men who were, who were fishermen. They understood these things, but something about this storm was pure evil. Matthew called the storm a seismos, and in the Greek translated, that word means earthquake. 
So it indicated that the storm was like this rolling uh, upheaval of an earthquake, if you will. We would refer to it today as a tsunami. It was an unusual storm, for it caused these men to, to be afraid who ordinarily would not have been afraid. But it was more than just a storm. It was a spiritual attack against the Lord. And yet, even under attack, Jesus remained calm, so calm that he continued to sleep. It was the disciples that woke him in fear for their lives. Jesus stood and rebuked the wind and the waves and the storm had peace and dissipated. But make no mistake, the storm was an attack of Satan. And often, more times than not, I'm not standing here today attributing that Satan is responsible for everything that comes into our lives that is negative. But I am here to tell you today that the enemy is as a roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking who he may devour. And make no mistake about it, we may think that just because everything in our life is going okay and we're in church two times a week and, and, and life is good, make no mistake, the enemy's after your soul today. As we sit here right now, the devil is devising a plan how he can take each and every one of us out. And we've got to have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ in our life to withstand these. Because Jesus rebuked the evil and he can rebuke evil in our life and restore peace and calm. This spiritual confrontation served as a preview to what was about to follow. Because you see... Jesus knew what was going to take place on the other side. As a matter of fact, this storm that they had just been in was a prelude or a test, if you will, to prepare them for what they was about to encounter because when they stepped out of the boat, they immediately encountered the demon-possessed man in the countryside of the Gadarenes. In Mark, we meet the man possessed with a legion of demons who was tormented and confined to a graveyard who was bound and chained oftentimes and would tear them off. No one wanted to be around him and no one wanted anything to do with him. But just as soon as Jesus showed up on the scene, even the demons recognized the authority and the power that he had and they began to plead with him not to cast them out of that country but to merely cast them into the swine and We all know the story that Jesus cast the demons into the swine and everyone around in town saw the man, as Brother Larry stated this morning, clothed and in his right mind. And there's something to say. I'll echo Brother Larry's words. There's something to say about having the Holy Ghost in your life and having a sound mind and peace in your heart. It's a fascinating story when we read about the deliverance of this demonic man and how how Jesus restored him. Has he done so many, how he has restored lives and changed lives. I say often that Jesus is in the life-changing business. But there is a disturbing part to this story. Shocking, if you will, that the response that Jesus received from the Gadarenes Surely there were others that were sick, afflicted, needed miracles in their life. 
And they had the healer in their town. They had the authoritative power of Jesus Christ in their midst. Mark 5 and 15 tells us they were afraid and they began to plead with Jesus to leave them to depart. These people were more comfortable with the demons than they were the deliverer. They could tolerate the screams of the possessed man, but they were upset and and angry about the loss of their pigs. Does that sound familiar as to where we are at in this world today? People calling good evil, and evil good, turning a blind eye to blatant sin. And we have to be mindful as the children of God. Let, let, me be more, let me be more direct than that. And I'll respectfully say this. We've got to be mindful as a church that we don't get so comfortable with ourselves, that we don't get so comfortable with just us four and no more. We preach a message of hope and grace and truth. And, and when God sends people our way, there's lost, hurting, and dying people in the world. And when they come into this house for restoration, we need to be sure that we are at a place where the Holy Ghost is allowed to move and operate. I'm all for programs. I'm all for a church service being in order. But when Jesus needs to move, we need to step back and allow the Holy Ghost to do what it does best, and that's change lives. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost today and what it can do in our life. This conflict that we're reading about this evening, this morning, reveals the tension that when the prince of the power of, of air met the prince of peace. In other words, when, when, when good met bad. But when that happens, it's really no conflict. Because you see, when Satan's done all he can do, when he's tried to wreak havoc on your life and on your family, all Jesus has to do is speak a word. Speak a word. And when the 70 disciples whom Jesus sent out returned and they were rejoicing about the success that they had had and how the demons had been subjected to them and, and Jesus just merely seemed to minimize the miracles that they had performed and he placed more importance on the fact that their names were written in heaven. And let me pause right here today, ladies and gentlemen, and say the most important thing that you'll ever do in your life is live for the Lord and be filled with the Holy Ghost and make heaven your home. Pastor tells us all the time, obtain all you can obtain. Do all you can do. But at the end of the day, God's going to burn all of this up and there's going to be nothing here left and we're going to find ourselves spending an eternity in one of two places. In the world, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be careful here, but the church world today paints a picture that there is no hell. Across this nation and across this world, this morning there, is, there will be very little mention about hell in churches in general. Because everywhere you turn and everybody you see is going to heaven. But that's not the case. I mean, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir. And I know everybody understands that. But above, the old song used to say, above all else, I must, I must be saved. But Jesus placed more important on the fact that they were saved and that their name was written in the Lamb's book of life. 
And he explained in Luke 10 and 18, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Lightning emphasized how quickly Satan fell from a high place down to the earth. He was grounded and neutralized. And Jesus promised power and power over the enemy. And he told us in Luke 10 and 19, nothing by any means shall hurt you. And we all know that no weapon formed against us can proper prosper. Jesus has all authority and power. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The storm that we're talking about this morning was a spiritual attack. It was unusual. It was unexpected. It was turbulent. But Jesus recognized it for what it was. It was spiritual adversity behind the storm. And he took authority over the enemy who brought it. And as the Prince of Peace, he holds the position of royalty. In our opening text that we read, the prophet predicted that the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Prince of Peace. As the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ holds the position of authority. Uh, I would never bring politics behind this desk, but the world that we live in, the, the church is in it. This is, this is the real world. And make no mistake about it, nothing that we see in the, the media and the news and across the world is taking place without the, the coronavirus did not take Jesus by surprise. This economy did not take Jesus by surprise. What we see taking place with, with, with the, the riots and the fires and, and all the tragedy across this country, nothing has taken Jesus by surprise. One fact remains clear. He holds the world in the palm of his hand and everything that has taken place now is being orchestrated. There's a divine plan because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And as the Prince of Peace, he holds the position of authority. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples after the resurrection in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He spoke with authority to them. Even people that did not follow Jesus recognized the difference when he spoke. They were astonished, Mark tells us, at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus confidently spoke from the position of victory. You see, God sees the beginning and the end, and he knows the final outcome. Not only does the battle belong to the, war, to the Lord, but the war belongs to the Lord. I know we hear that often, but read the back of the book. We win. We, we win. Death will be defeated, and Jesus Christ will prevail. And we can be confident in, in the knowledge and knowing and that his, secure, his security and his love for us. You see, Jesus, he loves us so much. He loves us so much and he wants to walk and he wants to talk and he wants to dwell with us. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 38, he said, For I am persuaded that neither Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
In essence, Paul is telling me that and you that nothing can come between God and I unless I allow it. Nothing can separate me from him unless I allow it. He's always there, the Prince of Peace waiting to speak into our storm. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning, are we willing to listen? Are we willing to listen when the Lord speaks? Or am I traveling through life so fast with earplugs in my ear that I'm not hearing what he's saying to me? In closing this morning as our musicians come, in Israel's history, we all know that David, he stands alone as the most heroic figure in the days of all the wars and the conquest as a successor to King Saul and after many successful military campaigns David had begun to grow the, the territories and the people of Israel began to enlarge and, enlarge and multiply we know that they sang songs about David Paul had, or Saul had slain his thousands and David his ten thousands he became a powerful king to be feared and admired all across the land. And after many years of, of many wars and numerous military successes, David has this desire uh, that he wants to see fulfilled. He, he wanted to build a house for the Lord, a place that the Spirit of God could dwell. And while the Lord was pleased with his desire to do so, he knew that David was not the man for the job. God reminded him of the many wars and the battles and the conflicts that he had been a part of. And David, in First Chronicles, recounted his conversation with the Lord. He said, But God said unto me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. So David did the next best thing, and he, he got everything ready. He, he had a... He had a building fund, if you will. And he secured the, the territory to where it would be built. And he began to bring in the supplies. And see, the temple of the Lord was not going to be a place to honor some military conquest or wasn't going to be a place to recognize the slaughter of all the enemies of Israel. But rather, God wanted it to be a place of peace. He wants his house to be a place of peace because he is the prince of peace it would be a center of worship for a nation and a house to honor God just as he wants his house today a place to honor him and a place to worship him so God chose a man whose name meant peace in Solomon Solomon being David's son and Solomon was a man of peace who was known for his wisdom. He built up the nation of Israel and because of his wisdom was able to form treaties with other nations to increase the strength of Israel and to secure the borders. He overseen the building of the temple of the Lord and, and Solomon saw the project completed. There was a spectacular dedication of the temple. Solomon had prepared this extravagant sacrifice one like no one had ever seen for the Lord. And God accepted the sacrifice and the worship from Israel and he consumed it with fire. The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 7 
that it was so great that the priest could not even enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. You see, dedication in a place of worship will bring the presence and the power and it brings the prince of peace. If you would stand with me across this house this morning, you see, it's the, it's the design plan of the Lord for us to come out of the world. And please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not inclining that you can only feel the Spirit of God in these four walls. But it is the design plan of the Lord for us to be able to come out of the world for a short time and gather together and worship and magnify the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. And we must dedicate ourselves now more than ever to the things of God, to, to worshiping Him, to serving Him. I, I mentioned earlier, and again, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but Jesus, Jesus is coming back. Now's not the time to be having any second thoughts. Now's not the time to be straddling the fence. But what the church needs, what the church needs to do is to be ready to be on guard, to be alert, and to practice what we preach. Because the world is looking for hope. This world is looking for hope. And we can be that hope and we can be that light. And we need the Prince of Peace in our life to do that. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you today. And we're so thankful and grateful for the opportunity that we've had here today together with you. What a privilege to lift and magnify the name of Jesus. What an honor to feast on the Word of God. And I ask today, Lord, that our minds and our hearts would receive this Word. I don't want to be just a hearer of the Word, Lord, but I want to be a doer. I want to be a, a light so that all might see Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.